Hey, this is Delitra. Hey, everybody, this is Angela. And you're listening to Nutrient Sisters, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn how to nourish your body and soul. Hello again. Welcome to another episode of Nutrient Sisters. We are so appreciative of the fact that you've joined us yet again. Today, we actually have our very first guest of season six. And a fun fact, it's also a male. It's our first male guest for forever since we've started. (laughs) So without further ado, so I'm going to read a little bit of the bio, but Greg, thank you for joining us. And if you have anything else to add, we can can do that too. So today we have Greg Crafter. He's the founder of Produced and creator of Growblocks. He's an engineer turned gardening genius who's on a mission to bring fresh, sustainable, affordable food to all using the power and versatility of hydroponics. Greg is on a mission to make it easy for anyone to grow their own delicious, nutrient-packed produce, regardless of income, location, or education. Greg, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys. Yeah, and I love, I love that last sentence in your bio, nutrient-packed produce, regardless of income, location, or education. We, I know Delitra and I, we've talked a little bit about gardening in some of our other episodes, but this will be the first time that we actually like get down and and dirty, I guess, <laughs> to talk really about more about it. <laughs> was there anything else that you wanted to add for our listeners? No, I, I was actually listening as you were reading that. I was like, man, who in the world gave you that? That sounded like somebody <laughs> special. I was like, wow. <laughs> right. <laughs> But now I'm always happy to talk about any and everything gardening, whether it's, you know, traditional or hydroponic as what we do. Either way, it's something that's very, I I like to think, spiritual and just Mm. all around good, inside and out. Yeah. And, you know, the crazy thing is for our listeners and I, uh, we received a picture of you as well. So you're a a black man in the gardening business, which is so unique and interesting. I feel like you're breaking down a lot of like stigma and barriers. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's a space that we as African-American black folk, if you will, it's a space that we are in and we've been in for centuries. If you think about the, the decades and decades of gardening and growing that we've done, but how it gets promoted nowadays, to your point, it's not as frequent and it, mm-hmm. we don't get a lot of that recognition, but we're we're still doing it. It's a part of our lifestyle. Right. Yeah. Which is so interesting to me, just thinking of the history of slavery, you know, being out in the field and my grandmother was a sharecropper, but I don't have any experience. Well, some limited experience, I'll say that. <laughs> With gardening and growing my own food. So I'm so excited to have you here today. I did want to know what made you shift from engineering to gardening full time? Wow. Wow. I've I've always, always, always liked being outside and playing in the dirt and all that good stuff since a kid. You know, I, I grew up in the country. I live in Atlanta now, but I grew up in middle Georgia and it was animals and fields and dirt roads. My parents to this day still live on a dirt road, but I I went to school for electrical engineering. And from there, I started my engineering 
I, I guess, applying what I learned in school. And it got to a point where it was like, man, you know, this stuff isn't really all that fulfilling. And, and so I went into sales and corporate sales and I spent over 20 plus years in corporate and I did a lot of traveling and I, I knew at some point I have a wife and three kids and it's like, I'm always on the road and always away from my family. And I'm not passionate about this anymore. I've always been passionate about people and plants, but mm -hmm. I think that was part of the transition, if you will, for me not being fulfilled. And I started setting a plan for, all right, what is it that I really like to do? And I was talking with my wife about it one time and she was like, you know, you, you spend more time outside than you do inside on the days that you're here, you know, do we right. need to have a conversation? Do we need to talk about <laughs> <laughs> And after that conversation, she gave, she pretty much gave me, I don't, I don't know, it felt like a release to be able to say, hey, pursue your passion. You love mm. planning. You love gardening. You love growing stuff. Why don't you look at ways to do that full time? And I don't know, the weirdest thing, when she said that, it was almost like permission to do what I love to do. And from there, I was mm. off to the races. So I would shout out to the I don't wife. Know, I oh yeah, yeah, big shout outs to Lisa. Yeah, but yeah, from there, I, I just started doing research. And the problem that I have, I've always liked growing. But as you guys know, and most of you guys out there that are listening, things that you grow are restricted to seasonality, to weather, temperatures, all sorts of stuff. And I was frustrated because of that, because it limited you to a certain part of the year that you can only grow. Maybe you have a certain food or something that you want to grow, but you can't because it needs the right temperature condition. And mm -hmm. I just kept researching and trying to figure out, all right, so how do I do this year round? And I started learning about hydroponics and I started tinkering around in my, my laundry room and then. My wife gave me a small space in our backyard and our shed. And from there, I was giving plants away and stuff away that I was learning to grow hydroponically to neighbors and friends. And mm. people say, Greg, you're, you're really on to something. And why don't you really look at this like a, a, a job or a business? And at right. the time, I was still working full time, still traveling. And um, it was March 20th. 2020, I'll, I'll never forget. It was the last flight that I took. I was coming back from Dallas and I was actually in the air. And I remember saying, this is it. I'm not mm. going to be doing this anymore. And somehow I, I knew I wasn't. Little did I not know, little did we all know, that was the onset of the pandemic and what we mm. were all, yeah. you know, getting ready to experience with COVID. Mm -hmm. and, and so I had customers all lined up. And, but nonetheless, I, I was committed to what I was doing. I just stuck to it and we're still going today. Wow. That's a, that's such a nice, I like that story. That's so inspiring. <laughs> so do you, you said you live in Atlanta. So are you like straight in the city of Atlanta? Do you feel like you're an urban farmer or is this more, you kind of live on the outskirts of the city? Yeah. ITP is what we call it inside the perimeter here in Atlanta. Those from Atlanta understand what that means. 
Yeah, I live in the city. So mm. space is a, at a premium and you have very little of that in the city. So that was the other reason why I was looking for options to grow, not only indoors, but in a small space. Mm. And vertical hydroponics was uh, perfect. Okay. Can you tell the listeners what exactly is hydroponics? Sure, sure. So essentially hydroponics is, it's the method of growing plants, food, anything without soil or dirt. It's a nutrient dense water supply that feed the root system. In, in mm. simple terms, it's just growing in water with nutrients and no dirt. Mm. Wow. Wow. I didn't know it it was without dirt. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I have some <laughs> some experience seeing some like a hydroponic garden. And I feel like I've seen in the store before some lettuce that was grown hydroponically. And I think I know the answer to this question, but one of my questions was like what is so unique about this kind of gardening that someone may pursue that over like something else that's more common? Well, you know, backing up to what you just said, you know, hydroponics, it's nothing new. There's a lot of people that are doing hydroponic gardening and growing, whether it's as a hobby or something just sustainably for yourself and or your family. But what makes it really cool is one, you know, you, you can do it indoors and then two, it doesn't take up a lot of space. You know, you're, you're taking up very little space. It's a, a way to control the environment. You know what nutrients you're putting into the food that you're growing mm -hmm. and it grows food three to five times faster than traditional mm -hmm. garden. Wow. So I That's huge. heard, I had first heard of hydroponics. This is funny. I don't know why I was watching this show doomsday preppers <laughs> and um, he this man on the, on the episode he was really into hydroponics he had the most elaborate system i'm sure like there's all different sorts of ways of doing this but when you when we talk about like well you, obviously you live in atlanta so you, you mentioned that you're in the city and in your bio it says that this is nutrient-packed produce regardless of income location education. So my question is, how much money are we talking? Is it very costly to start off? Is it costly to keep up with? Because I feel like that's always my main concern, especially now with all these like inflation prices and everything. Yes. And that's, that's a really good question. And what, what you probably saw and described are, yeah, it's elaborate systems that some people can get into on a commercial scale, but for the, the, just the regular person like me, you know, when I started, it's not that expensive at all. I mean, you can start as little as a $50 setup, you know, mm -hmm. with seeds, LED lights and grow pods or blocks. And that's essentially it, you know, and, and mm -hmm. I make it sound oversimplified, but it really is that simple. You know, now some people will do the, the whole YouTube backyard with some pipes, holes cut out, and you've got this big elaborate system. You can do that too, but 
you don't have to start out that way. It's mm-hmm. not intimidating. That That's what I always tell people. It looks and sounds intimidating, but it's right. really not. It's really not. That's good to know. Yeah, it really does sound intimidating, but it's possible I see through other people. And speaking of the pandemic, during the pandemic, I everybody's looking for things to do, and I start in t- an indoor gardening project. Nice, and- very nice. <laughs> I will say that that was a limited time experience. Uh, <laughs> but I'm sure it was fulfilling for that limited time. It had. Yes. Oh, yeah. I was really excited once I finally started to see some progress and see something sprout up. I was really happy. I was showing my mother-in-law what I did. And she was like, well, what is it? And I told her, I was like, this is kale. This, you know, this is you see all the green stuff coming up. And it was going really well. And then I'm I'm all on the Facebook and Instagram pages at that time trying to figure out, okay, so what do I do next? And I started with, um, what container did I use? Because I was reading that you could start with indoor gardening using a water gallon jug, yeah. a rotisserie chicken container that's <laughs> left over. Oh, yeah. It's just really sustainable. So I love that idea. Right. And I did that. And then I think the term is called transplanting i i put it in another oh nice uh, there you go You're container <laughs> yeah i was getting really i didn't know i was talking to a gardener look at that <laughs> no, no 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 i'm very super limited this is what i found out on facebook i love social media and i did that and i got scared after that because i didn't see anything for a while so i was like oh my goodness i killed my plant but i really didn't it actually after a while, it started to come back again. And what ended it, unfortunately, is that I sold my my home at the time and my husband didn't think it was cute enough for us to have in the house. <laughs> so I put it on the balcony and it got scorched out. But I have lots of desire to return back mm. to that, especially considering what Angela was talking about with inflation mm. rising. And the, you know, there's a lot of people that have concerns about the food that is sold in the grocery store and wanting to have more control over the food that they eat. That's right. And I think that gardening is a great way to do that. But there is just just a, a lack of information on how to to get started mm-hmm. with something like that. So that that's just my limited experience. But <laughs> I did want to know because I, when I was thinking about gardening, I was like, okay, there's a time to, to to grow things and there's a time to harvest items. So I want to make sure like I'm doing the right season. And do I understand correctly with hydroponic gardening that you don't have to consider that, that season when it's a good time to harvest and, and plant things? Yeah, that's exactly correct. Because mm. if you're growing inside your home, you know, the, the temperature is going to maintain itself, I don't know, 68 to 75 or a little bit higher because that's your living conditions. So all plants and, you know, seeds to germinate and transplant, like you said, all they're really concerned about is the right temperature and the right type of light. Mm -hmm. And that environment, they don't really care if it's within that range, they're good. They're good. Mm. So, yeah, you can grow year-round with hydroponics. You can certainly wow. do that. Ugh. 
that's music to my ears that. because I kill every plant that I ever get. So that, <laughs> I, I like that. But I do have a question. So the, because you're using water, so are you using like filtered water? Are you using rainwater? I know that some states don't allow for the collection of rainwater. So I was wondering, are there any regulations, I guess, concerning hydroponics? Another good question. So, you know, I've gotten asked that question. I get asked that question many times. Some people will use filtered water or tap water or well water or distilled water, all of the above. Most cities, municipals, the water source is pretty good for growing plants and using hydroponics and growing hydroponically. So fortunately for us in the States, you know, we don't have that issue with problems with the water. So you can Mm -hmm. use pretty much any water source or any type of water, whether Mm. it's filtered or unfiltered. Okay. No, that's really good to know. Because I've seen, I've seen, you know, like, like Delitra said, social media can be such a great thing. And I see people who do collect their rainwater and they have like a really great system for that. So that's good to know. I guess it would just depend on the state that person's living in. They would have to double check. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I always recommend people to do. But outdoors, I've done that too. I've collected water, you know, rainwater, which is good. There's a high oxygen content in, you know, rainwater. But, you know, just tap water and water that you get from your faucet, that's mm-hmm. that's good too with hydroponics and the ability to recirculate that water, recycle it. So it doesn't, yeah. you're saving water because you're recycling it a lot of times. It gets retained in the reservoir and the pop, you know, just on its own cycle, we'll use that water over and over again. Oh, okay. So it's like a two for one. You're kind of, you're environmentally conscious. And you're growing good, sustainable food. So that's nice. (laughs) That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. I wanted to take it back to you for a minute. So you're the founder of Produced and the creator of Grow Blocks. Can you tell us a little bit more about those two things? Yeah. So like I was saying, when I was uh, growing food in my backyard, I I started like a 150 square foot shed in the backyard and, you know, my neighbors saw these weird color lights on at all times of the night. And they were like, are you sure you're growing food back then? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, from that point, I started Produced. And that was selling fresh herbs, culinary herbs to restaurants. Mm. You know, and oh, it was wow. like, I knew that just about everything that we eat in this country is imported from some other country and the amount of nutrients that the food lacks and then whatever gets sprayed on the food that we eat, you know, to preserve it, whether it's being shipped by boat or plane or truck or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, those are chemicals that we are putting in our bodies. And I'm like, that can't be all good. Mm. And I was like, all right, well, my idea was to let me grow locally let me supply locally and let it be fresh to where within 24 hours of it food being harvested, I can deliver it to a restaurant's kitchen. Wow. And I did just that. I had a lot of restaurant customers and, and again, I was still working full time 
and the pandemic hit. So all of my business with customers and restaurants, it instantly went away. Mm. And I was like, man, we've got to shift gears. We've got to figure something out. And that's when we started doing home deliveries of plants because people, to your point, you know, were at, we were all stuck at home. And with things to do and wanting to do things, people wanted to garden. And I was like, all right, well, here's another way, which that worked out for a while. And then I was like, there's still got to be a better way to get food closer to people without having them do much of anything. Because, mm-hmm. and you, you said it earlier, people are intimidated. People, they're, they're excited about getting started, but it's an education behind it. So what do I do next? Mm-hmm. And that's when I created Growblox. I was like, all right, if I can create a indoor hydroponic garden system that mimics everything that we're doing at the farm and make it to where people can do it at their own homes or offices or spaces, whatever that may be, with them doing very minimal work, now that's the freshest way that you can grow food year round and do it very sustainably. And that's mm-hmm. when I came up with the grow block. Okay. And it's designed to do just that. It's designed mm-hmm. to grow food year round. You're not tinkering with a whole bunch of stuff. You add water to the system. It's fully automated. And even the plants, we grow the plants for you. We're shipping live plants to people's systems that we actually grow in our indoor hydroponic farm, so you know where it's coming from, you know how mm-hmm. healthy it is, you know exactly our methods for growing it, and you get the opportunity to do the exact same thing at home. Mm. Two great companies. That's amazing. That's really amazing. I had lots of questions about space, and I'm so glad that space is not, it doesn't have to be a barrier for people. And when I was talking about, about my experience with gardening, I didn't have I did not have a backyard, so I've made do with what I what I had at that time. I, I'm sure there's people that are thinking, even if they don't pursue the hydroponic route, how do they get started at the very basic level with gardening? Are there some special tools and supplies that they need to garden? How would they make the first step? Man, not, man, you guys asking a great question. It's a really good question. <laughs> and, and that's an important question because I say this a lot. You don't have to grow hydroponically. You don't have to grow aquaponically or aeroponically. You can just grow traditionally with dirt and a styrofoam cup or something really small. And that's what I always recommend. Jump mm-hmm. into it. Just jump into it. Start with something small, a windowsill garden. Because mm-hmm. what you grow inside or in a windowsill, you can take that experience. You can take the knowledge of just seeing something grow, grow understanding when does it need water, when does it you know, need light, and, and expand from there. A lot of times we make the mistake of, all right, I'm going to get this raised bed garden and I'm going to put it in my backyard or, I'm gonna, you know, get this elevated garden and put it on my balcony. And, you know, we jump in too deep. And mm-hmm. after yeah. <laughs> we're either not successful or the, the investment behind this elaborate 
system to grow and dirt. You know, we, we, we're not motivated because once you fail, it's like, all right, I don't want to jump right back into doing that again. I'm just going to chalk it up as a loss. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I encourage people to start small, start with dirt. You know, there's nutrients in dirt, but start inside so you can monitor it. You can see what's growing, how it's growing, how it's not growing. Start with seeds and plants that are easy to grow. Don't start with this exclusive, exquisite, you know, imported plant from Europe or something like that. You know, do some greens or some beans and take it from there. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I... Long ago, when I was still in school, I remember doing um, a case study, and they had said that since the 60s and 70s, they had been studying soil in the United States. And they talked a little bit about how we are actually, our levels of certain nutrients are being replenished because the way that we farm and, you know, the chemicals we use and, you know, so on and so forth. And so I think it is really interesting that when earlier when I mentioned that you said nutrient-packed produce just to kind of kind of shine a light on that a little bit more because there's there's it seems like I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist now but it seems like in the future um, we are going to see some differences with the nutrients in our food supply so I don't know if you know anything about that but (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, man, you guys are, you're more knowledgeable than what you're letting on to. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> that. That's that's a real thing. That That is a very real thing. As a matter of fact, you know, traditional farming as we know it today, that's going to be a thing of the past in the, in the near futures over the next 50 to 100 years. Mm-hmm. And the reason that is, climate change that that's a big impact on Mm. traditional farming and gardening and growing because we're we're in climates now where it's more heat less water and and then with the population the growing population of the world and this country more land is being transferred from land that you grow traditionally on to now you know erections of buildings and different things that are happening in that space because our population is growing to the point where we have to look at alternative methods for growing food. And unfortunately, a lot of farmers, to your point again, because of erosion and climate change, they're shifting the types of crops that they grow because there's not those same nutrients in the dirt and in the soil anymore to grow food crops. It's mm. more grain crops or different things for fuel and feeding, you know, farm animals and stuff like that. But it's shifting. There's a big shift and it's taking place right now. Mm. So that that's a very real thing. And think about it. Who does that ultimately impact? We, all of us as human beings, we still have to eat. So it that's the reason a lot of people are becoming more conscious about the foods that they eat and where the foods are sourced and reading labels on foods and understanding, okay, well, you know, local is better. Yeah, it it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a real thing. Mm. 
It's a little scary. Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and leave it up to you to bring in conspiracy right. theories. I know. Well, I know. <laughs> Which we all should consider. I never thought that we'd be in the situation now with the egg crisis that's happening right now. So, you know, never say never with things. But, Craig, I want our listeners to know how they can connect with you to learn more about your businesses. And you also have a podcast, so I'd love to for you to plug that also to our listeners. Yeah, um, so you can find us on all the social media platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Produced for All. That's P-R-O-D-U-C-E-D for All, Produce for All. That's our website as well, Produce for All. And we sincerely mean that. We um, that That's our whole platform. We want to be able to at least offer an alternative way that people can sustainably grow food for themselves and their families and do it year round, no matter where you're located, no matter what type of space you may have, no matter what your economic status is, we're on a mission to make sure that at least we have a way that you can feed yourself and, and do it in a healthy way. So check out our podcast. That's Grow with Greg. We talk to all sorts of folks that are doing other things. It's not always about gardening and hydroponics. For us, it's, it's about promoting people that are just doing some cool things that impact our lives and impact the lives of others. Mm-hmm. So we like to promote that. And even folks like you guys. Yes. All excellent things. We want to thank you again, Greg, for coming on to the podcast. We salute you for all the great work and important work that you do. We want to thank our listeners for listening to another episode of the Nutrient Sisters podcast. Check out at Produced for All, like Greg mentioned, on social media and also his website to learn more about Greg. Check out Grow with Greg on the eligible podcast platforms. Sharing is caring. So share this episode with a loved one. We are all in this together when it comes to sustainability and growing food for ourselves. So share this with a loved one. Rate and review our podcast right now. Five stars, nothing less. If you have less than five stars, keep that to yourself. Right, right. Uh, We want to hear what you love about this episode a lot of great nuggets continue to follow us on instagram at nutrient sisters to learn more about us and what's coming up this season but until next time we'll talk to you later